0: Good afternoon, everyone. Um, hi there. I think we're just about ten past uh, ten past one there now, so we'll we'll make a start. Um, you're very welcome to, to Gospel in the City today. We're um, we're continuing continuing our series um, this morning, looking at John's Gospel um, as we finish off in chapter three. Um, so I'm I'm going to uh, read the passage to you, and then. Um, well, no, sorry, before I do that, okay, before I do that, um, I will remind, if you've been around for the last couple of weeks, um, you'll have heard us talking about the, the one-to-one um, material, which is basically uh, an opportunity to do um, some kind of one-to-one uh, study, uh, with a perhaps with a colleague at work. Um, it, it follows along with some of the material we've been doing in John's Gospel, and the idea is it's a really kind of self-guided um, study, take two people half an hour to, to run through a few questions and chat about what, what God's Word's saying. And and if you've been around for the last few weeks, we've been trying to encourage people to, to think about um, colleagues that that might work with. Um, we've also been offering an opportunity, um, if you've never done anything like that before, to maybe um, meet up with one of the leadership team um, to have a run through two or three of the the studies um over a, over a few weeks and see what it's like and um, to, to get a feel for how you might be able to use it in the future um, and we've got um yeah we've got a sign-up sheet that we had here last week and um, again i'll send it around um while we're carrying on if anyone else is interested it add your email address to that and we'll get in touch with you um i'll start it off there thank you um as I said, we're, uh, we're continuing in our series in uh, John's Gospel, end of chapter 3 today. Um, so I'll, I'll start off by uh, reading the passage for us um, before I introduce you to our speaker. Um, so we're in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 3, um, and starting at verse 22. Um, so the, this passage has the title above it, jo- John the Baptist Exalts Christ. Um, so, verse 22 After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who's, who was with you, Across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear, bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the br- bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy is mine. Utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and whoever does not but be- not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Um let me introduce you to to our speaker uh Philip. Um Philip, just before you um you open up God's word for us, um could you maybe tell us a bit about, about yourself? Uh, what, what are you up to at the minute? Um, how have you ended up here? Great. Will that um, do?
1: Yeah, so my name's uh, Philip Boyd. I'm currently training to be a Presbyterian minister. I'm in second year at the minute and enjoying that. Um, I kind of grew up in the church. My grandparents were members, though my mum and dad aren't Christians. And so um, I grew up in doing churchy things and kind of really enjoying that. Um, but I didn't take that seriously until I was a teenager um one of the big parts of that was just doing a level re after that which really got me excited about the bible led me to study theology which led me into church work i a member of bloomfield presbyterian so um that's why i'm here because sam's the assistant there and wrote me in which is great but <laughs> um but sam's very excited when he talks about gospel in the city so it's great to be able to come and see it and to hear a bit more about what you're up to
0: brilliant um that back. Um, well, we're delighted to have you with us. Um, uh, let me pray for you uh, just before we, we dive in. Um, Father God, we, we thank you that we can um, take this time out in the middle of a, a busy week, that we can uh, come and meet together and open up your word together. Um, we pray that you will speak to us through uh, through your word um, and give Philip the, the words to speak to us. Um, we ask your blessing on this time and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Okay, well, It is great to be with you today. Um, if I start to go quiet at the back and you can't hear me, just wave now and I'll make sure shout up again. Um, but although I'm not able to come to Gospel in the City every week, I've been trying to listen in for the past wee while to the podcast, so I've been following along with this series that you're doing on A New Start. And In the past two weeks, if you've been here or if you've been listening along, you've been looking at John 3, one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible. And we've been thinking about the incredible new start that Jesus offers. It's one of the most popular passages of the Bible and it's easy to see why, isn't it? Because it's just really encouraging to hear what Jesus offers to us when we follow him. He offers eternal life, he offers salvation, he offers the secure hope of life in all of its fullness now. And so that really famous conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus that Sam has been working through over the past two weeks... He helped us to see that to be a part of a new start with Jesus means three different things. The first thing was that we need a new start in us, that we need a deep inner change. It's not just a decision that we make, but it's a spiritual intervention where God changes us from the inside out. For this to happen, we need the Son to come down from heaven. It's the really exciting truth behind John 3.16, isn't it? That God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that he came So that those who believe in him will have eternal life. It's only possible, this new start, this gift, if the Son of God comes from heaven. And then, thirdly, for this to happen, we have to step into the light. And the more we come into the light, the more we understand of Jesus' immense love for us. And so, today's passage, if you do have John 3 open there, this idea of a new start in Jesus that we've been thinking about it, it goes a little bit further. And it begins to show us the real difference that Jesus makes in how we actually live our lives. That if we have this new start, well, what comes next? What difference does it make as we live out day by day? And so, the first thing we see, look down in verse 22, that Jesus and his disciples, it's maybe a day or two later, they go out into the countryside and they're baptizing people who come to him. And in verse 23, when you look down, you see that even though Jesus' ministry had begun, John the baptizer, he was still active, and people were coming to him to be baptized. And we know this has taken place early on in Jesus' ministry, because it tells us in verse 24 that John wasn't yet in prison. And in the other gospels, we see that that happened early on. And so, what exactly is happening in this passage? Well, the discussion begins between some of John's followers, some of his disciples, and it just says, a Jew over purification. Purification. Now, we're not given any details about this, but I imagine it's some sort of discussion about what baptism means and what it is that they're offering. And John's disciples, they're, they're having this conversation and maybe they've gotten a bit agitated by it or they're maybe a bit riled up or they're just not in the mood for it. And so they have this conversation and they go over to John the Baptist and they ask him a question. So you see the question there in verse 26. They say, Rabbi... He who was with you across the Jordan, that's Jesus. Him to whom you're bearing witness. Look, he's baptizing. And all are going to him. Now what is it that they're getting at here? Well, to me, what we see from John's disciples here is just a really natural human reaction to what's happening. You know, We know that John the Baptist lived a very humble life. He didn't have many possessions. So his followers, it's probably the same for them. I imagine life isn't very materially comfortable. They've maybe had a long day, they've had this discussion with someone that maybe was irritating and then they look over and what do they see? They see, well, this Jesus person has way bigger crowds than they have and the really exciting activity that they used to be involved in seems to have moved on over here. So they're a bit fed up and they're a bit jealous and if we're honest, you can kind of understand that, can't you? They follow John, thinking this is great, this is so exciting. Crowds are coming to him, and now Jesus has arrived. And their entire situation's changed. The crowds are with him. Things aren't quite what they used to be. And so they're just asking him, look, what's this all about? What, what are we meant to do about this? They love John. They're following him. And they don't want him to take a back seat to anyone For a while he was the main event, he was the big attraction, he was the name that grew the crowds and now it maybe feels to them like everyone's ignoring John because they want to go and they want to see Jesus. And this is kind of the way that we're programmed to think, isn't it? We live in a very competitive society. We often think of our importance or our worth or our achievements not in and of themselves but in comparison to others. But no, it's not great, but we can't really help it. Whether it's in the workplace or at home or in church life, when you see someone getting more than you and you think you've worked just as hard for it, you can't help but be a wee bit jealous or envious or just think that's not the way I wish it would be. We look at what others are doing and we try to measure up or we try to surpass them. And so that's what John's disciples are doing and you can understand it and it's natural and it's a very human reaction. But when John answers their question, he makes it clear that that's not the way that they should be thinking. Look at verse 27. What what does he say to them? He says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Anything I've accomplished, John is saying, anything I have done, whether it be having followers or notoriety, anything I've done, it's a gift. It's a gift from above. It's a gift from God. He has given it all to me. He's given me a job to do and the gifts that I have, I'm just using them for Him. When we look at what other people do or have or achieve... And we have a pang of envy and jealousy that well, we all have. In one sense, that's us really being dissatisfied with the good things that God has already given us. It's being dissatisfied with who God has made us to be. John doesn't feel that way. John is very secure in the task that, John, that God has given him. So why would he be jealous of anyone else, least of all Jesus? Calvin writes about this passage saying that the standard for us all is to be what God intended us to be. If this one thought was sufficiently impressed on all of our minds, it will be more than enough to curb our ambition. And we see this idea later on in the New Testament when Paul's right into the church in Corinth and they have factions and jealousy and rivalry. He says, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you receive though, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it. It's all a gift from God. So John keeps going and it becomes clear that he's not at all surprised by Christ's popularity. What does he say in verse 28? Do you see it there? He says, you yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He's saying, look, I've always known the role that I was here to play. All that I'm doing was to point to him not to myself. If you can flick back a page or two, you can see in chapter one that John says this explicitly when we first meet him. He says in verse 20, I am not the Christ. Keep looking in verses 26 and 27. When he's talking about Jesus, he says, among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. So John is really clear about the role that he is here to play. Jesus is the bridegroom, he says. Me, John, I'm just the bridegroom's friend and I'm more than happy to hear his voice. And it's a great metaphor that he uses in verse 29. You can see it there. I mean, I don't think you've ever been to a wedding where the best man gets up and he says, this has been an all right day, but actually I think there should have been more attention on me. No, he's just so happy to see the bride and the groom united and to hear and to share in what's happening. That's what John is saying about what's happening here. And then in verse 30, we get almost John's manifesto statement. That's another really famous verse from John 30. He makes this point really clear, and he says, Why am I here? What's going on? He must increase, but I must decrease. He's not begrudgingly accepting that, Okay, I guess Jesus is the better man. He isn't saying, well, we had a good run, lads, but I guess somebody else has taken over. His whole purpose, his whole being, all that he's doing is to see Jesus glorified, to see him lifted high, to see him increase, to see him made known, while he happily becomes less important and less known and quieter. This is what it means to follow Jesus. The new start that Jesus offers, it completely reorders our priorities in life. The new start that Jesus offers liberates us from the relentless pressure of competition, comparison and one-upmanship. Our new priority is in that all that we do, Jesus might increase. Jesus might be glorified. Jesus is put first. Our competitive society, it's set up to have us always compare ourselves and measure ourselves against others. John's attitude here is totally different. It's totally reordered. He says, I'm going to do what I do well, but my aim is not to make a name for myself, but to make Jesus' name known. And do you see how this new priority, this new way of thinking, is actually totally liberating? The new start that Jesus offers completely changes our priorities. We no longer live as if we are the most important thing in our lives. This is a radical change of thinking. We live most of the time even though we would never say it or even think it, but we are our own priority. We make all of our decisions usually based on self-interest. John is showing here that following Jesus gives us a totally different priority where he comes first. And all that we do is so that he would increase and we would decrease. You can see in the notes there, the second thing we see is that Jesus changes our perspective. And John the Baptist is finished speaking here and John, who wrote the gospel, starts to speak. He's almost as if he knows this is going to be challenging for his readers. Um, he didn't have nice, neat divisions like we use, but all of this, Nicodemus, all of that would have come together And so he explains them to them exactly why this is the way it should be. It's been made really clear by John what a new start with Jesus looks like. It's a deep inner change. It requires the sun to come from heaven. It involves coming into the light. And it completely changes our priorities. And the only way any of this makes any sense is if we change our perspective Verses 31 to 36 show us what this new perspective is. Look at verses 31 and 32 first of all and see the comparison that he makes between Jesus and ordinary men. Jesus must become greater. Our priorities must change. Why? Because Jesus alone is from above and therefore is above all. Everyone else is of earth and therefore only speaks In an earthly way, John the Baptizer called people to repentance and water baptism. He pointed to Jesus, but only Jesus is from above and can offer new life. John must become less because he is of the earth. Jesus must become greater because he is the man from above. And so Jesus changes our priorities by changing our perspective. It's really clear here that Jesus and John are not just two really good holy men, but there's a real distinction between them. One is of earth, one is from above. John is just a man. Jesus is the son of God sent from heaven. And so key to the new start that Jesus offers is to have this new perspective, seeing exactly who Jesus is and exactly what it is that makes him unique. In verse 32, we read that Jesus bears witness to what he has seen and heard. Jesus has come from above, and so what he has seen and what he has heard has come from God. Look at verses 33 and 34. He ever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. And so throughout the history of God's people, God has used people to speak to his people on his behalf. And to do that, he's having to give them a measure of his spirit. But he's only ever given them the measure of the spirit that they require. Jesus alone has the spirit without measure. And so to believe in Jesus is to believe in God. The words that Jesus speak are God's truth. And then verse 36, it's, Just a really fitting climax to all we've seen in this series and in this chapter. He says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Faith in Christ is declared to be the source of real life. Life is only found in Christ. There is no other way we, way we can share in this life that he offers in this new start than he offers them through the grace of Christ himself. And the flip side of that is clear as well. Failure to trust in him leads us under God's wrath. Jesus offers us a new start. And our passage today begins to show us just what this looks like in the life of someone who wants to follow him. He changes our priorities. Isn't it great just to stop in the middle of a busy week? I've no idea where you work, what you get up to, what your week has been like so far, but to stop and to be reminded of the things that are of first importance in the Christian life. That whatever it is you have to go back to this afternoon, your ultimate aim is that he must increase and that we must decrease. And so this new priority, it frees us from petty comparisons, from rivalries, from worrying about perfectly on the right path, from shaping our own priorities. It liberates us from being focused on building ourselves up as our only aim in life. But instead it gives us a totally new priority, a new purpose to make our decisions based on what will glorify Jesus. And so when we're faced with a dilemma or we don't know what to do, what course of action to take, we have this new priority that helps inform us and helps us to make wise decisions. And so as we go back to our days today, you know, take that manifesto verse of John the baptizer with you. Let's do it as if we in, the increase of Jesus is our aim in all that we do today, working with integrity, with honesty and humility in a way that glorifies him. And this priority is shaped by our new perspective. That Jesus alone is the man from above. He is bearing witness to God's perfect truth. And because of that we can trust in him completely. We can believe in him and that changes everything. And so you've given up your lunch time for this. I hope this is encouraging for you. That as you go back into the busyness of our weeks. We do so with a new perspective and priority. That will help us. Live life for the man from above who gives us life. Let's just pray together quickly before we move into discussion. Father God, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you that we can stop in the middle of our busy weeks and come and to hear what you have to say to us through your word. Father, we pray that those of us who know and follow you would want to live in such a way that you would increase and we would decrease. That the new life that you have given us in Christ would change how we live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.